Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Man, I tell you what, you know, being in the north, it's so funny. It, we, we don't see people for like half the year, and all of a sudden as things start to unthaw, all of a sudden like people are like breaking out of their homes. We get to re-see our neighbors and things going on in our, our community. It's, it's just ridiculous week. Wow. Wow, I'm really kind of excited about it too. Um, I do love the seasons. I love what the seasons offer us because it, it kind of brings us to something new each season that, that comes forward. Um, <clears throat> every year about this time when, when we get a real cold snap, Jane and I look at each other and we point fingers and blame each other for the reason why we live in Minnesota. I don't know if anyone else is that way, but we, we do it and we, we accuse. We accuse each other of bringing us here. Um, but, you know, so there's kind of a nesting time right now. Some of you have already done that, but it's still, you know, Right now, if you go to a restaurant, it's going to be empty. But every grocery store, Costco, only if you dare, people have, I mean, this is like a, a, a habitual behavior that we have. It's like now go store up for what's about to happen. And <clears throat> along with seasons is the New Year's resolution. We've talked about that a little bit. And, and sometimes it's really difficult uh, once the year starts kind of going on and, and to follow through with New Year's resolutions, and you see that at the gym, a lot of times people who go there year-round, January, they kind of take a break because they know the people that are coming in are going to be gone so they can get back to their equipment, have their own space. You know, and, and we see this in the Old Testament. We see that God answers the prayers of Israel as Israel cries out to them, to God, and he takes them from their captivity. He, he frees them. And along the way, he, he shows his might and his power, just like when they were in captivity in Egypt. And God shows up. And, and God shows up in a way that, that people cannot deny that the God of Israel is the true and living God. There is no God that could even compare or be in the shadow of the God of Israel. But the problem is, and like the problems with New Year's resolutions and those things, we have a way of just kind of getting bored with it. We get a little distracted. And like we talked about last week, double-mindedness. And nowhere in the scripture does it say, if you are double-minded, it says you double-minded. Knowing the nature of who we are. In Exodus 19, we see God laying out his plan and really he proposes a relationship to Israel. Um, he says in, in verse 19, I'm sorry, chapter 19, verse 1, on the first day of the third month after Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered into the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. Verse 4, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and now I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Verse 5, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak 
to the Israelites. So God, in a miraculous way, brings Israel out of Egypt. And those of you who are familiar with the story, it is just sign after sign, wonder after wonder. And Israel, they get across the Red Sea that God had parted in a mighty way. And then they get hungry. And then they said, we would have been better in Israel. And then God gives them manna. Then they get thirsty. And then they say, oh, we would have been back or better in Egypt. Did I say Israel? I meant Egypt. We would have been better back in Egypt. We would have been better. Why did you bring us here? We're just, you just brought us here to die. Double-mindedness. Don't you think if God could part the Red Sea, don't you think he's going to take care of you? Don't you, don't you think? And so Moses had this interaction with God, and God made this proposition. Hey, I want this relationship with you. I want you to be this kingdom. I want you to be this people that I just sow into, and you're going to change the entire earth. And Moses heard this, and he goes, okay, I'm going to go to the elders, and I'm going to go to the people, and I'm going to present what you just proposed to me. So then verse 7, so Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. In verse 8, the people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. So he said, if you obey me fully and keep my commandments, then, then all of the nations, you will be the treasured possession. So I, when I, every time I read this, I, I've, I've printed it out and put it on my wall because this just makes my heart absolutely leap. It says, when the people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. Can you imagine in one voice the city of Maple Grove? Can you imagine, or, or better yet, all, all the churches? Uh, right now I, I'm with a group of, of pastors in our city, and we meet, uh, we try and meet once a month, and we pray, we talk about different things going on, and we've been talking about just a, a way to be able to come together and maybe, you know, do something. We've just, you know, been throwing different things out, but we, we come and we want to encourage one another. Can you imagine all the churches coming together? And it says, the people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. Can you imagine the power that that has in a community, in a, in a region? Can, can you just fathom that for a moment? Yes, we will. It's amazing that a group of people can do so much good when they're together, but they can also do so much bad. And it doesn't take long, does it? It doesn't take long. Studies have shown when a group of people, and people with high uh, morality and ethics, when in a crowd will do things they never, ever would have ever done alone. Study after study shows this. This is why adults and parents know this after they've lived some lives and they say, kids, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right? We, we say, okay, we know that the people around you will deeply influence you. Get around the right people. 
Think of the crowd that followed Jesus. They worshiped him. They praised him. They, they ate the food that miraculously came from his hands. Some of them laid down their coats in the city as Palm Sunday came and as they, as they came and worshiped Jesus. And it wasn't but days later as they shouted, crucify him. The same crowd. Think of Israel. They agreed to everything that the Lord had said. I just, I just read it. And as you keep reading, Moses goes up with the Ten Commandments. And the people think that God killed him because he was gone so long. And they see thunder and, and lightning and all these things are happening. And so they say, okay, give me all your gold. We're going to make a, a, a golden God. And then they say they put the gold together and all of a sudden it came out. It was a calf. God is now a cow. How on earth can we change so quickly? But look at the power when we are in one accord, in unity, going in one direction, which the Bible calls us as a church the body of Christ, and this is how we are supposed to function. This is actually why I love Bible camps for kids. For, for our, we have kids camp. Jane is really a part of our district kids camps and youth camps we've been a part of for years. And part of it is, and I remember the effect that it had on me when I'm in this little town in North Dakota and, and I felt like I was the only Christian. I never really saw anything that, that resembled Christianity. And so it was really hard for me to like be outward in my faith. And at times I tried, but I just always felt like I was squished back down. But all of a sudden when I went to camp and now there's hundreds of kids raising their hands and on their knees and worshiping God, something happens. Something happens and the kids all of a sudden go, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I, I could do this. I, I can serve God. There is something powerful that happens and our kids, they absolutely need to see things like this because they're at school day after day seeing the opposite. So what happened after Israel agreed with one voice? Moses took the word that the people said, and he went to God and he said, this is exactly what the people said. And God said, okay, we're going to make a covenant. And he said, now what I want you to do is we're going to have a time of consecration. A time of consecration. Last week, we talked again about double-mindedness. You double-minded. We see that Israel, double-minded, right? We are double-minded. And it was, it was a time at the end where he just said, okay, let's pray. Lord, reveal to me ways that I am double-minded. Let's consecrate ourselves before God and say, God, what do I need to do? How do I, what, what kind of changes can I make? Consecration. What, what led Israel away? Ungodly leadership, over and over again, led Israel away. Sometimes it was just their own sensual desires led them away. And a lot of times when the people spoke, the leaders would follow what the, what the people were saying. And number three, occasionally and often, they looked around, they looked at the other nations, and then they were enticed to do what the other nations were doing. And they were drawn away. 
When we pray in, in Jesus' name, we are saying to God, we recognize that no matter how much I, Dale DeMel, consecrate myself before you, I will never be perfect enough to be in your presence. And that might sound depressing to some of you. You might be like, are you kidding me? I can, I can cut things away. I can be holy. I can do all these things and it's not good enough. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. This is why we need Jesus. Friends, this is why we need Jesus. This is why that we can stand before a holy God. It's not because of my preaching jacket. That's for sure. Okay? It is because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. It has nothing to do with what we did. But when we consecrate ourselves, we are drawing nearer to God. And the Bible says that he draws nearer to us as we draw near to him. That is a promise. Like the hymn says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Like I said, James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Not if, right? Philippians 2, 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ. Have the same mindset, depending on the version that you're reading. The mindset of Christ. Replicating the mind of Christ, going to please the Father. When we realize that we are being enticed, the Spirit will show us. Um, a lot of times we use 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and, and I, I know it's, it's people mean well, and I've done it myself, where, where we say, God will not give us more than we can handle. Um, the Bible doesn't say that. Okay? When you read, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, those that, that are confused by this, it says, He will not give you a temptation that you can't handle. It says, All men, men and women, sorry, women, you're still involved, have, you are not subjected to temptation that is not common to man. We all will be and are tempted. It says, However, He will provide a way out for you. has nothing to do about your situations because, friends, guess what? You will have situations that you cannot handle. Again, this is why we need Jesus. You will be under a weight of things that you just crumble and you say, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's the point. That's why we need Jesus. Could you uh, please put up that slide? It was on the very last part of the what um, of the mission of the church. Now, I read this last week, and it's important, and you'll see why in a minute. The universal church, the church at large, was given a mission from God. This is not to be changed. So anytime a church puts forth their vision and all of those things, great, okay, whatever. This is the mission of the church, period. This part does not change, okay? As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We, ha we have been sent, okay? Go and preach the gospel to all creation. I underline repentance and forgiveness because this is good. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached. We better be preaching 
repentance and forgiveness in this church, even though it's highly unpopular because in our nation, sin, really, because we can just do whatever makes us happy, right? Right? So sin is very unpopular to preach. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, therefore go and what? Make, it's a verb. We make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. If you have not been water baptized, friends, this summer, we're, again, renting out at Fish Lake. This time we're going to do our service outdoors, and then we're going to go and eat together. And if you haven't been water baptized, let's do it, okay? It's a commandment. Let's go. Okay. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Acts 1.8. You will receive power. You shall be my witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit will give us confidence, give us the words to be able to share the message of Christ. So, that's the what. Now, this is where churches are given freedom. The how. Okay? God has gifted us. We are individuals. You go to one church and you go to another, and there's going to be different passions and, and different gifts and different levels of gifts and abilities that they have because God has given it to them. We as a church, the same thing. Now, a lot of churches, we do the same thing, especially if it works. We, we read something, and the way that the world is interconnected, we can go online and go, wow, that's working there. I think that could reach a need in our community, and we steal it, and it's awesome, that's why churches are so good about sharing resources, things that are working, because they realize it's bigger than just them. Right? Okay. Thanks for joining me for a moment. Yeah, it's good. <clears throat> so this week, there were, I mean, <laughs> I know we get tired of the news cycle very quickly here. Our, our attention and our, our spans are very, very short. For news, but the government shutdown for it's the longest one we've ever had. I mean, we've had people in our church going through that, and we've been talking to them, making sure that financially they're okay. <clears throat> we had the bank robbery in Florida, where I think it was five people that were needlessly killed. Just yesterday, some people in a Catholic church had been murdered, and I think the last I read, the, the young man was still at large. <clears throat> the Covington Catholic School, if you saw the news with this. The initial news that came out proved to be, in the way that the media ran with it, it was, gave a narrative that was totally false. I mean, you just look at the things that we faced this week. And lastly, another heartbreaking story, and this is what we're going to talk about for a little bit, that absolutely broke my heart, was to watch what happened in New York City as lawmakers with big smiles and celebration signed into law an extension of late-term abortion to kill full-term babies. I just, I, I, I just watched and I, I could barely stand what I was seeing. Women are not gloating when they go in. They're not celebrating. This is a hard, hard thing that's happening to somebody. The crowd can lead us in a wrong direction. I've known women who've had abortions. I've known women in the church who have and who've struggled with shame and who've struggled with just all the weight that comes with that. But I've also seen women share their testimony 
I've seen women share about the mercy and the grace of God going before them and helping and speaking into the lives of other people. And, and for those who may not understand, there is a burden, there is a pressure and intimidation that happens to people that are walking through these things that some of us will never, ever, in a million years, be able to understand or grasp. There's so much healing that needs to take place, and we need to be a church to be there. We need to be a church supportive of families who've gone through difficult things like this. But know this, we will always counsel and encourage to give up your child for adoption. It's, it's amazing that somebody would walk through a full-term abortion and still have to deliver the baby dead versus de delivering a baby. And I could pull up my phone right now and I could just call multiple people that could right now come here and pick up a baby. For those who have already adopted, I want to say thank you. For those who have done foster care, I want to say thank you. For those who have given money, made food, helped clean, watch kids, to someone who is adopting or going through a process like this, thank you. For those who have prayed for people in these situations, thank you. But as a church, I believe we can do more. I've been communicating a dream with some people from our church for some time, some outside to help me with resources. For the last few months, we've been talking about starting an adoption and a foster fund to help people who can't afford to adopt. This will be a fund to assist families adopting or those fostering. We also understand that these people need support networks, and we have that here at this church. There are groups in our, in our community that we can align with, that we can come along and, and try and resource and be there for. I don't know if you know this, but Life Assembly already has that DNA in it. At one point in our youth group, we had 50% of our kids that were adopted. Some of them are already grown. Some are here right now. Jane and I have spoke with people that are planning on adopting and some who hadn't even told family members yet. Right now there's a woman in our church who's a professor and social worker and she's in the middle right now of adopting. And I talked to her. She said, I want to set up resources and people to come in and be able to help people that want to learn about what to do. Right now, as of Friday here in Minnesota alone, there are 152 kids in our state that are looking for a forever home. <clears throat> a God dream for us is to be the most welcoming church to families who have adopted, who have mixed races, fostered, combined in whatever way that they're combined. Now, I get it. There are a lot of complications, but these families need support as well. Now, as a church, this doesn't mean that we're changing directions. This doesn't mean that this is the new thing that we're getting on and, and we're doing for the year 2019. First of all, 
God is already doing it. At one point, like I said, 50% of our youth group was adopted. I started looking at families and hearing their stories on, on how it happened after their kids were already raised and then they decided to, to go in and adopt and the cost that it cost them. Now, I have to be honest with you, I was, this was something that we've been talking about and wanting to launch in September as a, as a pastor and wanting to be strategic. I thought, what, what great energy to have coming through the summer and into the fall and being able to get on board and get our church all united and saying, as one, we are, we are going to do this. But this week, my heart was so wrenched by what I was seeing. I thought, why wait? Why wait when we can start right now? Our mission here at Life Assembly is to make and multiply disciples in a diverse, multi-generational church. This doesn't complicate our mission. In fact, it enhances it, and I believe that it upholds it, it supports it, and it says that we are for something. It goes beyond a lip service of saying, yeah, that's, yeah we, we would just rather that, that you adopt. No, we are going to support families. And frankly, I don't care if we give $100 to somebody who is trying to adopt. We are going to start putting a foot forward and saying, we are supporting this in our community. Period. End of story. I am for adoption. I am for foster care. When, when my wife and I, when we got married and we moved out to Hutchinson, um, our, our house number was 937, 937. And I remember that because that's how many square feet we had finished. And we thought we were so blessed and we were super idealistic and we just started opening up our home and we had 12 kids. It was 12 kids, right? Our first year, 13. And one, one time we got a carload. It was like two in the morning. And we said, you know how big our house is? And they said, yeah, well, this, it was just a terrible situation. So we start putting out blankets and sleeping bags and make it like a slumber party in the middle of our living room. And we had one little living room, and that was it. And you can ask my wife. There were, uh, we have a lot of stories, and hers are, I was working more than I was around at that time. Last week, I got a picture of a, a newborn The kid um, used to come to our youth group. He would eat at our house when we could open up our doors. <clears throat> when we moved back, we heard things got really hard, and I went and met with him at Dunn Brothers because you know I love coffee. And uh, I said, here's the deal. If you, get, if you can stop, you have a window of time to come to our house this is it. We're going to get you out of that city. You're going to come to our home, and you're going to be in Jaina jail. Now, if you don't know about Jaina jail, <clears throat> it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> I've been there for a long time. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was like really, sorry, it was really easy. <laughs> Later, I found out he couldn't remember a word of our conversation. The next day, unknown to me, my wife went and pulled him out of a meth house.
He stayed with us for a year. He got his GED, started working for the first time in his life. He cried when he had to pay taxes because he was used to selling drugs. (laughs) So this week I get a picture of a second child. He's taken on two of his own that aren't his. This isn't, no, this isn't him. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on, this is another one too. I, I had to send this because this was so precious. This is little Caitlin and this is Caleb, their child. And I just, I saw this picture when I went to visit them at the hospital this week and the little brother just looking over a precious newborn. There's something about it. Adoption and fostering is the closest representation to the gospel that there is. There is nothing closer than the gospel itself. Five different times the Bible says that we have received adoption to sonship. Romans 8, 15, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. If you can cry, Abba, Father, if you can regard yourself as a son or a daughter, Jesus Christ, you have been adopted and you are in the body of Christ. And for us to do the same, to call somebody that has no relation to us a son or a daughter is a work that is absolutely worship to God. As a church, we will do what we can to support families who are going through adoption or fostering. And again, even if it starts as small support, we have to start somewhere. So how do we move forward this year? One, Sunday services are going to continue. When we get to the right size and we have enough volunteers and infrastructure, we're going to go to two services. I'm not saying that's going to be this year. Pray that it is. We'll have a, just a wonderful community time with coffee and all that in between our services. March 10th, we're starting our, our missions convention. I want you to come and be a part of it. We have different missionaries coming. Our main speaker is a missionary we support, Mark Jones in Africa in his family. Last year when we had our missions convention, our missions increased by $5,000 just last year alone. The missionary from India that came here a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ivan, we had a $3,000 check to write him this week and send it to him. Thank you. We've also had people say that they want to be able to support Pastor Ivan and their ministry into reaching kids in the slums on a monthly basis. Our our missions team is looking at ways to be able to add more people here. We're going to continue with our missions giving, and it's going to grow. We will continue to train and support new life group leaders to facilitate Bible studies, to have topics that are having to do with strengthening the family and parenting and marriages. We're going to continue to do these life groups here. I cannot go into detail yet, but... We have a really exciting thing that we are dreaming about right now to reach families in our, in our neighborhoods. Lastly, 
I want to reach families in our community who adopted, who are adopting. And, you know, you think about we had a parents' night out. Why couldn't we have an adoption slash foster nights out for people in our community and our church body serve those people? Why couldn't we do that? I spoke with a woman in our church who is in this process right now, and she said, I will set up everything that needs to happen. I'll bring in the right social workers and people so we can start going and taking steps forward as a church. So someone might be looking around and, <clears throat> and saying, well, we're just a small church. What do we matter? For some reason, Jesus seems to think one matters. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Matthew 18, 12 through 14, he talks about this. Won't a shepherd leave the 99 for the one? And when he finds the one, doesn't he celebrate more over that one than the other 99 that he found? We as a church can do something great. And it's going to be more than one. <clears throat> As a church, we do the mission of what? We send out missionaries. We look at ways that we in our jobs can reach out to people in our neighborhoods, how we can invite them to life groups, maybe different events that we're doing. We can invite them to church. There's things that we can do, share our testimonies with people. We're going to keep on doing that. But we who are here, we give sacrificially so our church thrives so we can reach our community, give, continue giving to local and international missions, and also to help people who want to adopt and foster in our region. And I hope that you can join me. I hope that you can join me as people come into this church and welcoming them in. I hope that you can join us in celebrating when we see people in our midst adopt or foster because it is worth celebrating and this is what we stand for. Would you please stand? When Israel agreed when Israel looked and said, we will do all that the Lord has commanded, God said, now go consecrate yourselves. When's the last time that you've consecrated yourself? When's the last time that you, you looked and you said, God, I, I, I really need to to get on my knees before you. I believe that we're in a time of consecration as a church. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus. I love that we can come and sing of how good you are. Thank you, Jesus. That you are good and your mercy your mercy is forever, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that we are more, more than just our words, that we can go forward with excitement and support 
of families in our community. I pray that we are able to see a change in this church, both from our hearts growing, but Lord, also the ability to reach people in this city. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.